G'day everyone, welcome to another edition of Wrestling All Style with myself, Chris Bunderhog, and Mr. Alex Freddy Williams. Alex, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. It is a beautiful, rainy, miserable day here on the border, and I'm enjoying life in lockdown. Yeah, well, at least at least you're going well. That's a that's the main thing. Uh to be honest. Human interaction's totally overrated anyway, so I, I don't hate lockdown at all. Fair enough. So I suppose we should get into the um, chat today. We're doing another weekly wrestling wrap. I've watched a lot this past week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've watched quite a bit myself. I don't think I've watched as much as you. But, yeah, there's a fair bit to talk about this week. So we go back to last Tuesday. We've already discussed Raw, but the other show that premiered that night was AEW's Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, The Deadly Draw Night One. Yeah, that's a nice mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Did you happen to catch any of the uh, Deadly Draws? I binge-watched both episodes yesterday because I had a feeling we might end up talking about this. So both are about 40-minute editions, night one and night two, with um, two matches, commentaries Tony Schiavone and Vader Scott. Ring announcings done by Charles Guerrero and Medusa featured throughout the night as well. Yeah, it's cool to see Medusa. I was selfishly half wanting her to be involved in the tournament in matches but yeah yeah so so was i but i I suppose we'll get there on on night two what did you think of the commentary team shivani and vader scott yeah i think um vader scott actually is a good replacement for the excalibur role having lots of knowledge of these women from their independent runs and all that sort of stuff and well, Tony Schiavone is he's just a good, comforting, familiar voice, so it's always nice to have him as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And um, they also aired a video during the event for their AEW Heels, which is a women's uh, wrestling fan project type thing. Have you looked into any of that? Uh, not for 50 bucks American a month. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose if you're a woman who's living over there who might go to some of the events when they open back up, it might interest you. But for me, being an Australian male, I don't think I'm going to drop 50 bucks a month on this. No, I don't think it's for us. I think it's a well, safe a- place for women to talk about wrestling without you know, getting creeped on, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I was more alluding to like our partners and that, but <laughs> yeah, I suppose they're not that into wrestling. Uh, I would be a thousand percent shocked if Eliza ended up uh, telling me she wanted to join AEW Heels, and probably I would give her the money in an instant just to be able to talk about wrestling. <laughs> so from there, we go on to the matches. Match one was the Nightmare Sisters. Brandy and Ali, who faced Mel and Penelope Ford. Yawn. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I hated, like, the whole draw aspect of the Nightmare Sisters getting together. They, like, sort of explained it by, like, having Brandy distract Dasha or whatever, and Ali sticks her hand in and grabs the red chip or whatever it was. But 
I just hated the fact that that these two just ended up together at a so-called luck. And I just hate seeing Brandy wrestle, to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of her in-ring work. Everything else she does is pretty good, though. Yeah, so the Nightmare Sisters defeated Penelope and Mel with Brandy actually pinning Mel. Shock result, I thought Ali would have got the win in this match. I do like the idea of actually doing something with Ali. Um... She was fantastic in her Impact Wrestling run. So uh, the more Ali we can see, particularly in the ring, the better. But <laughs> it means that we're going to see more Brandy in the ring, which, you know, it is what it is. I'm positive Brandy will only continue to improve, though. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of people improving, we go on to match number two. It is Tay Conti, Anna Jay faces... Ariane, Andrew, and Nyla Rose. I was genuinely shocked to see Tay Conti in this. Actually, was a bit of a fan of her when she was in NXT. Um, also, she looks like almost identical to Eliza's sister. So, <laughs> so like, I find it really weird watching her because, like, it just looks like Eliza's sister is wrestling. Bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of awkward, but like because of that, I I root for her. So she's got a instant mark over here, no matter what. Anyway. Yeah, and in the end, they got the win, defeating Nyla Rose and Ariane. Nyla gets angry, attacks Ariane, and walks off. And um, closing shot, you can see Tay comforting Ariane in the ring. So a bit interesting there, the two. New women in the um, ring from the WWE in their last wrestling run. So interesting to see if they get picked up here, I think. Yeah, and um, Anna Jay's a star, by the way. She's got the look. She's She's got the in-ring. I think there's a lot of potential there with Anna Jay. And Tay Conti is a must-sign for AEW, in my opinion. Um their women's division is lacking in depth, and uh, a talent like Tay Conti it would be a very welcome addition to their roster. And in all fairness, I wasn't expecting much from Ariane, but I think she did all right. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree, absolutely. So from there, we go down to AEW Dark. Did you happen to catch Dark this week? I did not. I did catch a few like a few clips here and there um a couple of things i see in your notes that you'll end up discussing yeah so it was another one hour edition this week with seven matches taz and tony shivani on commentary start off with scorpio sky gets a win then does a promo in the ring sitting on a chair says some are calling him the king of dark but he takes as an insult because he's one of the only two men in AEW to pin Chris Jericho. Yeah, I saw this promo and I was like, yep, give him a strap, uh, push him to the moon. You got something with Scorpio Sky here. And I am a massive fan of Cody and honestly never want to see Cody lose, but I want to see him lose to Scorpio Sky. So that tells you something. Yeah, and 
they also had a match with the Gun Club, Billy and Austin defeating Sir Pentico and Alan Solo. Um, sort of weird to see Billy wrestling again, but Austin was the one who actually picked up the win in this match. Oh, that's good. Uh, how's Austin looking in the ring? Yeah, pretty good. He doesn't have that much experience from what I uh, can tell, but he's starting to look better each time he's on dark. Yeah. No, it's good. Aaron Solo, that's the partner of the SmackDown Women's Champion, I believe. Yeah, because he was actually on the um, New Japan Southern Showdown show last year. Yeah, and he wrestled Slex, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where Aussie listeners might be more familiar with him. Uh, Then... There was an FTR match. Prior to their match, they could be seen talking with Tully in the entrance tunnel. They faced off with Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Um, during the match, Brian did the old Hollywood's Blondes camera roll spot. <laughs> Very good. Love that. And FTR end up getting the win there. Overall, pretty good show of dark. Oh, excellent. Yeah, um, I saw the clip of Tully talking to FTR in the entrance tunnel. Um, obviously very interested to see where that goes. There was the contract signing the week before, I believe, where Arn Anderson was helping FTR sign the contract and all that. Could we see both the brain busters in FTR's corner going forward? Who knows? Um yeah, it's very intriguing where, in particular, where FTR's going. Yeah, so from there, we move down to Impact Wrestling's Impact. Did you catch Impact this week? I sure did. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, they still got me somehow. Yeah, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick around the, the quote-unquote Impact Zone for a bit, I think. Um at least until we finally get Brian Myers in the ring. I just want to see what he looks like with the shackles off these days. Yeah, yeah, it'd be be interesting to, to see there. He hasn't sort of made an in-ring debut yet. No, um, no, it's just been the same sort of vignette with uh, voiceovers talking about being the hardest worker in the room. Oh, you're a good hand kid and all that sort of stuff. Pretty much like vocalising the criticisms that he had when he was in the WWE sort of thing. It'll be really interesting to see where his character sort of evolves next considering he's uh, separated from his major bro partner. Yeah, exactly. So show opened with Moose and Heath for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Josh on commentary said, Heath was a WWE mainstay, former tag team champion there. 24-7 champion, whatever that means there. <laughs> That's fine. Like, it's good to have a little jab at him for the 24-7 title. But, geez, Josh Matthews is a horrible commentator. <laughs> like it. Just intolerable for me at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. He's not exactly the, the best man. At one stage, Moose gets bumped into the referee and the referee goes down as Heath pins Moose. Moose gets back up, low blows Heath and gets the win. So Heath doesn't get a contract for Impact Wrestling. Yeah, that's annoying. 
Um, but I'm very interested to see where this goes. Like, I don't know. I, I've said it before. I feel like he's playing a bit too much into his goofier side for my liking. I would like to see him get a bit serious, but maybe this is all sort of a swerve for where he ends up going. I half predict Heath going heel down the road on possibly a rhino or something for not helping him get into the arena for not helping him get a contract i can see like a heel heath run where maybe he does get a bit serious that'd be interesting to see from there impact went on to state they're going to have impact emergence a two-week tv event starting in two weeks and in three weeks time it'll feature diana perrazzo versus jordan grace for the knockouts championship it was an EC3 promo saying he's punished by the top 1% of this industry for the name I inherited, saying that he's going to go after the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, this all makes sense for EC3. He wants the TNA World Championship so he can quote-unquote burn it to the ground or whatever he said. He wants to go to his past and destroy his past, and that's why he's going after the title. This incarnation of ec3 is very intriguing for me it's hooked me like i ended up going back and looking at all of his online videos he'd been posting throughout those 90 days and all that sort of stuff it's a very interesting character and i really really can't wait to see him get into the ring and see if there's any adjustments there as well be interesting to see how all this plays out. From there, they went to Wrestle House. Did you watch the Wrestle House this week? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Ty was handing out personal grooming kits because she was complaining about the housemate's BO, which led to a match between Johnny Swinger versus, yeah, Alicia and Susie. They end up defeating Swinger. There was a match later on because Kylie Ray told Johnny Bravo to leave, so Rosemary wanted a match with her. And Kylie Ray defeated Rosemary. Yeah, um, I don't know. The week before had its moments, but overall, I I didn't like it. Uh, you disagreed. This second week, I hated it even more. <laughs> Honestly, like the only bright spot in it is any time Johnny Swingers on screen. Yeah, he's uh, he's a definite standout on that. <laughs> Oh, he's so good. Like, I must have missed it on the show, or maybe it was an online exclusive. I saw on Twitter Johnny Swinger share, share a video from Wrestle House where Swinger tries to leave the house. So was this on Impact? Because I don't recall seeing it on Impact. Uh, not that I saw. Swinger tries to leave the house, and he opens up the door, and it's a video of... Johnny Swinger from Impact in like 2004 or whatever and he's like cutting a promo it's a younger Johnny Swinger and he's got a coconut bra on and he's cutting this promo in the old Impact Zone and Johnny Swinger just like yells at the former version of himself kayfabe daddy I'm finally getting over it was uh... so good so yeah uh, you might I had to check out Johnny Swinger's uh, Twitter for that one. It's very, very funny. Good Brothers walking out of the arena to go their car. Their car's got the door open and there's beer cans on the front seat, which leads to police arriving, talking to the Good Brothers before Ace Austin and Madman Fulton walk up. 
They all start to brawl and Doc back elbows a policeman, which leads to him being detained in handcuffs. Yeah, I get it. Um, it didn't work for me. Uh, later in the night, Anderson's on the phone saying he's going to bail Doc out, but Fulton and Ace attack him backstage. Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see this feud and all that, but this particular week didn't really do it for me. Fair enough. The final segment was a Rich Swan announcement in the ring. He's in a moon boot with... um crutches on and he comes down to the rings talking about how important wrestling is to him and then says that he'll have to retire because the doctors have told him that he if he continues he might injure his leg more and he'll walk with a limp so he says that he's retiring from wrestling at the age of 29 the locker room empties out and cheers on rich as he walks Back up the ramp, they're all applauding. He goes to take a final look at the ring, and EY runs out, attacks his leg, and then runs off backstage as they go off the air. He's full-on smashes a crutch over Rich Swan's moon boot, and it looked so good. Even though, like, like there's no way Rich Swan would have felt a thing with that thick moon boot on. It just looked cool. I liked it. It got me questioning whether the retirement's a work or a shoot. And in this day and age, if it gets you questioning what's going on, it's probably a good thing. Makes you more interested in it. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the NXT Australia or (laughs) whatever it is. Yes, indeed. Uh, The black and gold brand was very green and gold this past week. Yeah, before you get into it, It was just absolutely surreal watching this episode of NXT and, like, realising the first half hour of the show, that's without commercial breaks. So probably the first 45 minutes of the show was completely dedicated to Australian and New Zealand wrestlers in the ring. It was just completely surreal and awesome to see. Shows the quality that the Australian New Zealand scene can produce. So we start off with the number one women's contender match, Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley. Good about twenty minute match ends with Mercedes uh, Martinez. Yeah, ends with the Robert Stone brand interfering with Mercedes Martinez attacking Rhea Ripley while the ref was distracted, and Dakota Kai capitalizes and pins Rhea for the victory. Yeah, this match was awesome. Like, a really good match. Um, These two have very obvious chemistry. Chemistry that's probably gone on for years now. Um, Every time these two are in the ring together, you're going to see some magic. And I really, really loved this match. Good match. Honestly, if you're going to check something out from NXT this week, check this one out. So Dakota advances to take over 30 to face EO, uh, while Rhea continues to feud with the Robert Stone brand. Like, if 2019 slash early 2020 was high tide for Rhea, then by mid-2020, the tide is certainly low. Yeah, although, like, the idea of Rhea Ripley getting in there with Mercedes Martinez, like... 
a long time veteran in the independent wrestling game, um, a genuine tough nut. Uh, those two getting in there could be like pure magic. Like they could just beat the holy heck out of each other, and there's and it's going to get people talking. I think uh, it could be a sleeper match for whenever whenever it gets booked. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's just that it's still got this... Rhea was such a intimidating killer that now she's still stuck in this low-card comedy angle. Yeah, she's definitely put on the back burner at the moment. Like, the optimistic side of me just says they're still giving her plenty of on-screen time. They're keeping the spotlight on her in a lesser way, but they've still got the spotlight on her they still want you to notice her. This is just her being sidetracked for the time being, and hopefully it means down the road she gets back to where she once was. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree there. So we then had Bronson Reed versus Shane Fawn. Bronson's already advanced to the North American ladder match at TakeOver 30. Good little 10-minute match, roughly. Um, Bronson ends up getting the win here. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, these two just, like, exchanging, like, elbows and chops and stuff at one point, I really enjoyed that. I believe someone referred to it on commentary as Aussie Strong Style, and I was like, don't you mean wrestling Oz style? But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Aussie Strong Style works too. Um I'm loving Brunson Reed getting getting a bit of a push at the minute. Um, fingers crossed that it leads to gold for him at TakeOver. Yeah, and speaking of TakeOver, there was then the third uh, freeway match to qualify for the North American Championship. Damian Priest defeated Oni Lorcan and Rich Holland. Damian Priest, I'm a bit of a fan of, but this Rich Holland, I'd never seen him before. He comes out and he looked like a star to me. Um, would have liked to have seen him get a bit of a shock victory on this one, but I think he's still got a chance to get it onto the takeover card if need be. It was later announced in the night that uh, Dexter Loomis is out due to injury and Regal announced that he's putting Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, Ridge Holland and next week's person into two single matches to qualify in the last two spots. Yeah, um, giving the people that didn't get pinned in the triple threat match a second chance, which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. They also had Keith Lee defeating Cameron Grimes, and in the post-match, Cross was on the TV screen from the back, attacking people and still says he wants to face Keith, even after Regal said opportunities are earned and he won't be bullied into a title match. Yeah, I, I noticed only Lorcan was one of the people laid out backstage. I couldn't notice anyone else, but this is a good little segment. Yeah, I I don't mind it. It's just that NXT is usually very strong with their rules so for regal to say that but then you're still pushing sort of in this direction it's a bit contradictory <laughs> yeah 
I don't have as much of an issue with it, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, well, compared to, to main roster, they're a lot more strong with their, their rule keeping. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so then we had a, another Aussie on the card. We had Tegan Knox versus Indy Hartwell. Short little three-minute match. Indy got some time to shine, but Tegan ended up getting the win here. Do you have much to say on that match? Uh, when was it, like last week or the week before, that Indy got a surprise win out of nowhere? And I don't know if it, if it was just to give Tegan Knox a bit of credibility just just for whenever Tegan ends up beating Indy. But, um, yeah, that whole thing just sort of seems a bit pointless in hindsight. She ended up defeating... Um... Tank Girl, what's her name? Shotzi, yeah. Yeah, Shotzi yeah. Blackheart. Um, because I think one of the Robert Stone brand interfered. Yeah. Uh, thank God I didn't have to endure Shotzi Blackheart this week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I think she's cringe AF. But um, I know people out there enjoy her. I just think it's really cringy, her old act. Hey, credit to her. She's still got better tank than DX ever had. DX just had a Jeep. I know. A Jeep with a cannon in the back. It wasn't even a <laughs> cannon. It was a big bit of, like, drainwater pipe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from there, we moved on to the main event. It was Imperium, Fabian Eichner, and Marcel Bartel. Versus the undisputed era of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly with Adam Cole and Roderick Strong ringside for the NXT Tag Team Championships. As the previous match I didn't mention, commentary was absolutely useless during these last two matches. Just talking to Pat McAfee the whole time, not talking about anything going on in the ring, not talking about anything to do with the match. Credit to Mara Ronaldo trying to talk about the match during this. Yeah, uh, good old Pat McCafe. Um, as I, thought, <laughs> uh, I overheard someone talk about Pat McCafe selling macaroons out the front of NXT, selling macaroons and coffee. But, um, yeah, Pat did take a fair bit of attention away from this match. Um Quite frankly, I barely even remember what happened in the ring, but I have a fair bit of thoughts on the post-match, so I'll let you get to that. So, during the match, Adam Cole goes over the commentary desk, starts arguing with Pat, undisputed era distracted, walk into Imperium's finisher, Imperium retain and leave. Adam Cole's still arguing with Pat post-match. He's arguing over the desk, Pat's walking off, breaks free from Triple H and punt kicks Adam Cole in the head, and then Triple H pushes him out of the arena. Now, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? All right, so I first read about this, and I was like, ugh, it sounds real bad. And then I watched it, and I thought it was done really well. Um, But then last night, I got a message of... One of my friends, uh, Jordan, he messaged me. He's a fan of NFL. He is a he is a former like tried to tried out for college punting in 
American football overseas. And since then, he's kept up with American football and, in particular, punters. And he messaged me out of the blue last night and asked me to tell him about Adam Cole. And I was like, what? You're not a wrestling fan. Like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a big follower of Pat McAfee's podcast. And I, like, watch his YouTube show. And I saw everything. And then I just heard that he's going to have a match at TakeOver and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, well, if you're hearing about this, they've done something right. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I actually want to watch Pat's match. I was like... Well, they've definitely done their job then, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of your former world champion feuding with a no-experience, like, former football player. It's basically you're putting Adam Cole in the big show role at WrestleMania. This celebrity wants a match. Uh, who we got? Big show. You can fight big show this year. Yeah, but unlike Big Show, Adam Cole's probably going to be able to carry the quote-unquote celebrity to probably a really good match. Sure. Uh, I think we're looking at a potential match of the night. Sure. <laughs> I know you don't agree, but I, I did a little bit of research on Pat McAfee's show and I've listened to bits of him talking about wrestling. And I think this dude's been training for this for a long time. I think he's been, like, secretly training to do this for a couple of years. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah, I, I think he's going to come out there and shock the heck out of everyone. But so... also, I expect him to lean into a bit of the chicken crap heel sort of thing as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to. Have to agree there. So from there, we're going to Dynamite with your favorite match, the 12-man tag team match, the Dark Order versus FTR, the Young Bucks, Page and Omega. Yeah, we're contractually obliged to have this many matches a year. Okay, let's chuck them all into the one (laughs) match then. Um, Yeah, absolute cluster F. So sick of it. Like, I cannot explain how sick of it I am. And, like, you look at the talent in this match, I have absolutely no right to be sick of watching any of these guys wrestle. But I am in this particular scenario. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree. I'm over these multi-man matches that just devolve into plunder. Like, either book a lights-out match where you are going to have plunder which is, uh, what is it, AEW's way of saying a no-DQ match, or book it with tag rules. Like, there's rules there for a reason, as I'm sure we'll see on the 12th in Tag Team Appreciation Night. Yeah, Tag Team Appreciation Night has more singles matches announced for it than um, previous weeks have had singles matches on it. So, I don't know. I think there's a bit of a hole there. Matt Hardy came out to the ring, said he came to AEW because he wanted to feel respected. Sammy attacks Matt and they brawl ringside and Matt gets busted open when Sammy throws a chair at his head. Yeah, as uh, Cody 
Rose said on Twitter, Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears, the hell out of Matt Hardy. Since it's all come out, like, there's meant to be one of those quote-unquote gimmick chairs that they talked about for the Spears spot back almost a year ago. But basically the exact same thing happened. It wasn't the gimmick chair he ended up using, and Matt Hardy got hardwired bad. Yeah, if you if you didn't see it when he put him on the table, you definitely saw it when he went through the table. Yeah, it was just it was everywhere. But I don't know. Uh I'm a little bit old school. Red equals green in my books. Like this um this helps the feud a bit. It made it seem a little bit more intriguing for me because before this, like, I c- could not give a crap about this version of Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, who I'm still iffy about, but, yeah. From there, they went on to the best friends, defeating Proud and Powerful, and later on the n- in the night, Proud and Powerful destroyed Sue's van. Yeah, I actually love this. Um, it's really good... To actually have Santana and Ortiz put in a proper story, I honestly feel like they've been criminally underutilized in AEW. Um, I would love to see a lot more from them, and it looks like they're finally going to give us a little bit more from them. Yeah, and then later on in the night, Trent and Chuck are back at Sue's van, and I think it's um, Trent... Uh, no, it's Chuck goes, I gave my word to Sue... That nothing would happen to her. <laughs> it's just like, oh man, it's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I liked that. it a lot. Yeah. Also, like anything that gives uh, Trent Beretta a bit of screen time and a bit more of a story, I'm pretty fine with. I think he's one of those guys that's going to bust out of that tag division one day and become a big star, in my opinion. So from there, they went on to the Cody and Matt Cardona facing the Dark Order team of John Silver and Alex Reynolds. I thought Matt was looking good in his AEW debut. Another little side note here is Matt Cardona debuts against in AEW against uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, two students of Matt Cardona's former tag team partner, Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so those two guys have a decent relationship with Matt's former tag team partner. I have a feeling Matt might have put in the good word to make sure that these were the two guys he got in there with for his debut. This match was probably five, ten minutes too long. Yeah, I'd have to agree with who they were positioned with, given their reputation on the um, TV at the moment. But overall, a good match. Uh, in the end, Cody and Matt get the win. As Cody's walking off to the entrance tunnel, Scorpio Sky walks up and taps on the title. Yeah, that was a good little spot. I did feel like it sort of overshadowed from the debut of Matt Cardona. But you got to keep this story moving and Scorpio Sky challenging Cody, it's perfect. I've, I'm positive they're going to have just an incredible match. I'd have to agree there. I'm looking forward to it. 
So then they went on to the AEW Super Wednesday debate 2020. Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho with special guest moderator Eric Bischoff. I'm back. Yeah, it was um, awesome to see EZE strut out onto TNT for one last time. It was his first time on TNT since the summer of 2000. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, thought EZE uh, looked pretty good here. I thought he did his job well. I'd I'd have to agree. Did you notice what Jericho's key read when he came out? Uh, no, no. Please tell me. Chris Jericho. And then it says a little caption above. It says, Demo God remains the champion in the ratings war. Oh, dear. Yes. Um, yeah, a little bit of the virus as, uh, as Jim Cornette referred to Chris Jericho as, or the... Um, Corona God. Did you hear about that? No, <laughs> no, you'll have to fill me in off air, I have a feeling. Yeah, well, someone's decided to start hosting concerts and performing in front of thousands of people with no social distancing and no masks on in the middle of a pandemic. So, quite frankly... Yeah, fuzzy. So, um, quite frankly, I kind of think my opinions on Jericho in the last couple of days have sort of been soured by this. But this was a fantastic segment. Like, got to give the devil his due here. This was an amazing debate. I loved it. So, Eric's asking off questions and Jericho answers and Cassidy's not saying anything. Then he's asking about seed levels, and Chris Jericho goes, what the hell is that got to do with wrestling? And then Orange <laughs> gives like an answer, like, so much foot in rises, it will impact so many people in so many coastal communities, da, 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 global it's warming. It's a really wordy, <laughs> like, highly articulated, like, answer, <laughs> and it was just brilliant. And then the next question is just another wrestling question, and Orange Cassidy goes back to saying nothing. And then at the end, Eric awards a debate to Orange, and Chris and Eric begin to argue. Yeah, I thought I thought that's a really good use of um, Eric Bischoff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think people tend to forget that Eric Bischoff is a fantastic on-screen performer. People on the internets tend to freak out when they hear of Eric Bischoff showing up at a promotion. They think, oh, no, Hulk Hogan's going to come in and the Nasty Boys are going to come into AEW now and we're going to have Hulk Hogan pin Kenny Omega and the Nasty Boys pin the Young Bucks and, oh, no, it's going to be TNA 2010 all over again. But perhaps people need to chill out and remember that from... 02 till about 05 or 06, Eric Bischoff was pretty much the overarching heel on Monday Night Raw, and he was in the WWE for strictly a performing capacity, and he is fantastic at just performing. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely have to agree. So from there, it went on to the main event, John Moxley, the champion, versus Darby Allen for the World Heavyweight Championship. At one point, they're on the stage, and Mox throws Darby through the air, and he 
hits his head on the ring post. That looked a bit um, uneasy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, late in the match, MJF runs in, hits a belt shot on Mox while the ref was looking at Wardlow. But ultimately, John Moxley fights back and gets the win on Darby Allen. Yeah, this match was great. I loved it. Um, very brutal, very violent, but I loved this match. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to, have to agree there. So next week it's announced that TNT Championship will be on the line, Cody versus Scorpio Sky. Chris Jericho will burst Orange Cassidy in Who Pays a Dry Cleaning Bill for Jericho's Jacket. <laughs> and Tag Team Appreciation Night will feature Omega and Hangman versus Jurassic Express. Dark Order members Stu and Evil Uno versus the Young Bucks and special appearances from Rock and Roll Express, Tully and Arn. Yeah, special appearances by four members of of my WCW roster. <laughs> um, yeah, so they've also added to the Jericho Orange Cassidy match that members of the inner circle and the best friends are barred from ringside. And also, uh, Cody versus Scorpio Sky should probably be the unveiling of the completed TNT Championship this week. Oh, have they tweeted out it's completed? Yeah, so uh, about a week or so ago, they tweeted out that August 12th will be the debut of the completed TNT Championship. Version 2.0. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that much different. I think it's just going to be a little bit of gold trimming here and there, and I think people are going to be quite disappointed oh well we'll give us something to complain about i mean everyone's already stopped complaining about the title just like they stopped complaining about cody's neck tattoo hey man uh i don't know maybe it's because i'm such a diehard cody supporter but i'm still seeing heaps of hate on that tat (laughs) fair enough well um so there's a few air dates that will be rescheduled in the US. I'm not 100% sure how this will affect the Fight TV programming, whether they're going to air it live on uh, the US Bleacher Report and then air it on TV, or whether it'll just air at that time. So August 19th is now August 22nd at 6pm US time. So that'll be a Sunday morning for us Aussies. Yeah, that that's a pretty good way to kick off a Sunday morning, though. Chuck on some dynamite. I'm actually pretty keen on that. Yeah, I think that actually goes head to head with another show. Yes, it does. Um, I'm not too sure the time of the other show. The other show is rumored to be a possible 8 p.m. start, so you could end up having a full day of. Uh, just, yeah, AEW and NXT. So, so that could be like the best Sunday ever for my likings. And then August 22nd, uh, 26th, sorry, is now August 27th at 8 p.m. So that'll be a Friday morning for us Aussies. Yeah. And then September 16th is now September 17th at 8pm, which is, again, a Friday morning for us Aussies. Yeah, uh, 
a big boo to Friday morning wrestlings. Thursday mornings are bad enough trying to find time to watch it, but Friday mornings is significantly worse for myself anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'd have have to agree with that for, for work. Yeah. Um, so from there, that night, New Japan's Summer Struggle Night 5 aired, which saw the first round in the never overweight six-man tag team championship tournament for the vacant titles. Another mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, why, why did we not do an R block tipping on this one? Because it got announced like the afternoon after we uploaded that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, yep, fair enough. Um, I only found out about this turn- tournament after the final had happened. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had no idea this was going on. So I'll just run through the actual tournament matches. First match was Chaos, Kazuchika Okada, Sho, and Toru Yano defeating Bullet Club, Jado, Ghetto, and Yujiro Takahashi. Second match was Losing Gobbler, Nobles, Dehapon, Bushi, Sonata, and Shingo Takage defeating Suzuki Gun, Doki, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. We don't like Suzuki Gun losing. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Friday saw NXT continuing their greatest hits. Uh, that night, there was another summer struggle show. Two more matches in the opening round. Saw Chaos, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi defeating Great Bash Hills, Togi Makabe and Toriyaki Honma with Fruit. Ryusuke Taguchi, then Golden Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Abushi with Master Wado defeated. Oh, <laughs> Sorry? Sorry, I, I just. Oh man, they're putting Wado, Master Wado with bloody Tanahashi and Abushi to try and get him over. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so they defeated Suzuki Gun, Taichi, Katamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Another big boo to that. Master Watto beating Zack Sabre Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Also on Friday night, we saw the first event held in New Zealand since the last event was held five months ago. It was SPW's Southern Rumble 5th Anniversary Night 1, which was Southern Pro Wrestling from Invercargill, New Zealand, at the Corinthian Centre was a six-match card. We'll talk more about this next month in our overview once it's available on video on demand. Beautiful. Saturday saw New Japan Strong. So this week featured the four tournament matches, which we'll talk about once the tournament wraps up. Next week will feature two semi-final matches plus a six-man tag, TJP. ACH and Alex Zane versus PJ Black, Mistero and Black Christian. And the other match is a tag match, Clark Connors and Jordan Clearwater versus Logan Regal and Barrett Brown. So, yeah, so have you watched um, the tournament matches? Yes, I have. Yes. Yes. So, So have I, surprisingly. 
what did you think of the i suppose we'll just touch on it quickly what did you think of the empty arena presentation um it was basic um i i didn't hate it i didn't hate it at all it was just pretty much pitch black with a wrestling ring yeah um so from there we go on to smackdown uh, every week, the theme song asks us, are we ready for a good time? We um, always say yes, and <laughs> they always fail to give us what they are, ask us if we want. Uh, well, who does the Raw theme? Is it Skillex? Skillet? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> who, does, who does NXT? I think NXT Slipknot, isn't it? Got, like <laughs> NXT's such... got like weird stuff, but like yeah, you got ACDC and Slipknot and like whatever trash is opening up Raw. It's such a weird <laughs> musical mix, though. Oh, I like to think like Vinnie Max just in in his home gym, just like listening to people equal. S-H-I-T by Slipknot, and the next song comes on. It's uh, Big Balls by ACDC. He's <laughs> just, yeah, and that's just been, like, the, what's inspired him for half of his promos <laughs> over time. It's like, ACDC's Big Balls, yep, I've got grapefruits. Uh, people equal, you know what, oh, yeah, life sucks, and then you die. Like, that's how Vinnie Mac has been inspired over the years by his crappy metal phase that he's going through. Oh, jeez. So, on the show, they had the dirt sheet with Miz and Morrison. One of them says, okay, Retribution, you're not scheduled tonight, and I thought you were on Raw because the power was going out and their mic was echoing. Yeah, that was gross. (laughs) Disgusting. They then interviewed Mandy's hair. Uh, echo my sentiments from seconds ago. <laughs> then interviewed Sonia Deville. Not echoing. Sonia is a fantastic promo. Um, she was fantastic here, in my opinion. Then Otis and Tucker run down to the ring, and Otis has the money in the bank briefcase this week. What is that thing? I've never seen that before in my life. What are you on about? Yeah. He was actually mentioned on commentary as having it this week too, and I'm like, oh, oh, you guys remember that as well. Man, Uh, there's got to be no way that he ends up, like, cashing in successfully, right? Well, I thought Mandy was going to trick him out of it, but now that Mandy's had her hair cut, you'd think she'd just stay babyface, so... Yeah. That was the only way I was thinking he'd lose it, unless, well, unless, no, Corbin would have challenged him earlier for it, surely, if they were going to do that. That's mm. the only other thing I could think of. He's got to lose the cash in. That's the only thing I can think of. Look at your universal title picture at the moment. <laughs> would it honestly be that much worse if Otis was the universal champ? Honestly, like it, pr- it might actually improve it a little bit. I think it would be better, and we'll get there shortly. But yeah, 
And I would like to remind our wonderful human listeners that um, I am quite a big fan of Braun Strowman um, pre-2020. But I have always been in favour of Braun Strowman having a title run. But this wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. So the Fiend enters the ring, they go to commercial, and after commercial, Alexa's in the ring and starts to stroke the Fiend's hand and face. Braun comes on the big screen and says, quote, I don't give a damn about Alexa. <laughs> then why should we care? Yeah, like part of me is just wondering if he's just saying that, like reverse psychology-wise, to try to trick Bray into freeing Alexa. But as soon as I continue on with this sentence, I realise I've probably put too much thought into this storyline compared to whoever wrote it. Because last time we saw him, he was in the swamp and he was going to save Alexa. Or yeah. he was being, like, called out by Alexa and now he's he doesn't it care. It was a vision, though. It was like a illusion <laughs> of what he loves and now he just doesn't. Oh, yeah, it's confusing. Um, but the, he's also, like, cutting the worst promo I've ever heard. Like, the delivery of it, it was like, Yeah, well, you left me in the swamp, but I'm a monster now. I'm a monster. And it's like, he's, like, turned into, like, a death metal singer, and he's just, like, overdoing the monster voice that he does. And it was just so cringy and just disgusting. Oh, I hated it. Yeah, it wasn't good. Speaking of not good, we go to Bailey and Sasha in the ring, and they're joined by Stephanie McMahon via tout. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't actually tout, but... Jeez, I love that reference. Um, remember when they did Talking Smack and every week after SmackDown on Talking Smack, Daniel Bryan was, like, advertising his tout account from, like, four years beforehand because, yeah. like, the whole joke was that Daniel Bryan's so behind the times on technology. Oh, man. But, yeah, this was... You could clearly see this was a green screen. Yeah. She announces a tri-branded battle royal next week for the SmackDown number one contendership who will challenge Bailey at SummerSlam for the championship. Yeah, now, could this be the saving grace for Rhea Ripley's low tide? I'd say yes to the mainstream audience. No for your NXT viewers because of the program she's stuck in. Yeah, well... The... Oh, like, if it's... I don't think it's going to be anyone from Raw, and I don't think it's going to be anyone from SmackDown. Actually, I honestly think it's going to be Naomi. Maybe. Because of that whole online thing a few weeks ago where people just randomly decided to start tweeting about how Naomi deserves a chance and all that. Did you see that? Yeah, I thought she was injured. No, no, she's still around. Wasn't she suspended a while back because of something she did with the Uzos? I have no idea. Okay. But she's been around. Like, she was on the karaoke thing a few weeks ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, um, 
yeah, everyone just started banging on on Twitter like we want to see Naomi get a push and blah blah blah. I have a feeling this is going to result in Naomi getting a push and like I don't know, like Naomi doesn't necessarily do it for me. Like her promos are just a bit lacking for me. She is a fantastic athlete, and she, but oh, there's just something missing from her. Also, the dancing things just played out. At least a Naomi Bailey matchup would be fresh. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm thinking, like, if it's going to be someone from the SmackDown roster, it's probably going to be Naomi. Uh, oh, I just got a thought. So, on who's the Raw champion? It's uh, Sasha. So, what happens if she loses this week and she goes in the Battle Royal? Loses when? On Raw. To who? Asuka. Well, Bailey is. When's the Sasha Asuka match? I thought that was at SummerSlam. That oh, is it? Yeah. I thought it was Monday. The yesterday. Oh yeah. Yesterday was um Bailey versus Asuka, and if Asuka won, if Asuka beat the SmackDown Women's Champion, she gets a shot at SummerSlam against the Raw Women's Champion. Yeah, so that is that is um SummerSlam. So that wouldn't put that in there. You know who they should call up from NXT? Tank gonna... Girl. Who? Oh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> I hate that. But also, I love that, like, there was that one week the Bailey and Sasha showed up on NXT and they, like, stole Tank Girl's tank. <laughs> that was good. Uh, um, but, yeah, out of anyone in NXT, I think Rhea Ripley's in a good position to show up. Um yeah, we've, it's we've seen people scratching. we've seen people do two feuds on different shows at the same time before, so they could continue the Mercedes thing on NXT and also have Rhea Ripley do something on SmackDown with Bailey as well. It's Fair not enough. totally out of the ordinary. So then we go on to the main event of the night. It is Miz and Morrison with Sonya in their corner versus Heavy Machinery which goes about 10 minutes, then ends in a no contest because Mandy Rose returns, runs into the ring, and attacks Sonya, who runs into the ring. What? Dumb. Why did I decide to watch SmackDown that week? What is wrong with me? Well, you clearly watched it for the next segment. <laughs> they, oh, come back, they come back from commercial, and all the main event wrestlers are arguing in the back, which leads to... Retribution running in and Cole screaming, oh my God, I think that is, that is, that's Retribution. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, so gross. They run in the ring. They've got baseball bats. They chase off the commentary, the TV crew, then jump the plexiglass, chase off the PC wrestlers. One of the women masked wrestlers attacks a PC woman. They destroy the ringside area, grab out spray paint, graffiti everywhere. Then to go off the air, one person grabs a chainsaw and chainsaws through the free ring ropes. Yeah, uh, shades of uh, runner-up in your Royal Rumble, Terry Funk. <laughs> yeah, someone busted out the chainsaw. Uh, um, these guys came out and they looked like... 
I don't know if this is going to make me sound like a cornet or something, but they just look tiny. Like, they look so small. Yeah, well, to to steal the line from the king when the ECW arrived. <laughs> yes, indeed, they did, they did look small by comparison. They were, like, just tiny. And, like, I saw on Twitter that, the past couple of days, someone referring to them as aces and five foot eights. <laughs> um, oh, geez, so that's a good one. I, I loved that one. So, yeah, I, I think for the time being, I'm going to call them aces and five foot eights. Um, I'm going to reserve a few more of my thoughts for when we get on to Raw. Yeah, absolutely. Did you watch 205 Live? I did not. Um, I'd already put myself through enough misery. So I'm just going to assume they were wrestling in a ring with cut ropes and graffiti everywhere, right? No, it was perfectly fine. (laughs) Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, somehow everything was back fine and the, and the, uh, the PC extras were back and... Yeah, it was all, all fine. No graffiti. <laughs> yeah, it was. They're at a completely different place. Two o five live is from like Performance Center South. <laughs> What's Performance Center North? Raw Underground. No, that, that's real South. That's like uh, souther than South. <laughs> so it featured Everise defeating Mikey Spandex and. Marcus Carter, and also featured Danny Birch defeating Tony Nice. Uh, halfway through the match, Davari ran down and, and attacked Oni Lorcan, who was ringside. I'm going to assume uh, Aria Davari, not Sean Davari, right? Yeah, what did I say? Sorry. Oh, you said you just said Davari, so <laughs> I just wasn't sure which one you're referring to. If you could have possibly have been referring to the former Sheikh Abdul Bashir, but <laughs> you weren't. Uh, <laughs> um, no, in future episodes, we'll have the pleasure of talking about Sheikh Abdul Bashir. So from there, continued their best of series. They've also announced that they're coming back in September, I believe. Um, so this week they focused on Shane Taylor. Very did you, good. Did you um, happen? I jumped on Twitter t- this morning and saw one particular Australian wrestler retweet a thing out from Ring of Honor saying that they're going to be back shortly. Oh, would it happen to be someone who's very good with business? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Someone whose catchphrase was recently stolen by MVP and Bobby Lashley in that. How rude. No, no, not rude. Lashley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So from there, uh, New Japan Summer Struggle Night 7, did you happen to catch the big announcement from this night? You sent it to me. Um, uh, I watched a bit of it, sort of gave up because (laughs) of Japanese words, but I got the general gist of it. So the G1 Climax 30 event has been announced. It will run from the 19th of September till the 18th of September 2020. That's 19 days, including the final three days at Sumo Hall. It was later announced this week that non-block wrestlers will have their day off rather than wrestle tag matches. Thank God. 
Like, like every the last couple of years I've watched the G one. Uh, last year was the first time I actually stuck around for the entire tournament. Um, I definitely found myself just waiting for the on-demand to drop and then just skipping halfway through the show to skip all the tag matches. Oh, but you need to watch Death Rider and Shooter. I did watch a fair bit of that. I loved Death Rider and Shooter. Shooter! (laughs) Yeah, so if you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, John Moxley and Shota Umino, the young boy from New Japan, um... Had fantastic chemistry last year on the prelim matches for New Japan. Really worth checking out. Yeah, um, I'm really excited because the G1's actually got an event on my birthday. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, it ends on my dad's birthday. Now that I look at it. Damn, it's WCW all over again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be able to check out the final. Damn it. Uh, so yeah, um, be interesting to see how many wrestlers they're gonna have in um the two blocks. They then had the semi-finals in the never openweight six-man tag team championship tournament for the vacant titles. Again, Chaos Kazuchika Okada, Sho, and Toriyano defeated Los Ingobernables de Japón, Bushi Sanada, and Shingo Takagi. Then Chaos Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeated Golden Ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kota Ibushi with Master Watto. Yeah, oh man, devastated that Master Watto didn't get a run with the title here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I sort of picked him as the favourite, but um, yeah, it's sort of sort of um, be interesting to see where they go with him coming up to their big match in Jingu Stadium. Yeah. So we also had a couple of local events happen that night as well. There was the SPW Southern Rumble 5th Anniversary Night 2, which also took place in Invercargill, New Zealand, from the Corinthian Centre. It was a five-match card. The second event was PWA Black Label Call to Arms 2020 from the Pro Wrestling Academy in Sydney, New South Wales, with an eight-match card. And then RCW's We're Back Baby from the RCW HQ in Adelaide, South Australia with a seven-match card. So over this weekend, we've seen New Zealand wrestling return. We've seen um, wrestling in Sydney return and wrestling in Adelaide return all for the first time in five months. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Huge breaking news on our podcast. Everyone lift their jaws up from the ground. We're going to be able to talk about Australian wrestling on our Australian wrestling podcast soon. Never thought this day would come again. Yeah, yeah, actually pretty excited for it. So it'll be good to see Aussie wrestling return, which we'll be talking about in a future episode. Quick, quick sidetrack here. Since we're since you bring up PWA and all that, I've found a feature on my Spotify app where I can search up uh, my most listened to songs and find out what I've listened to the most. Number one most listened to song by me in the year 2020. Can I guess? Go. Is it the Jessica Troy theme song? 
No, oh. no, but I've recently found out it is available to listen to on Spotify and it will be, we'll get it up there. It's Matty Wahlberg's theme. It's my most listened to song on Spotify this year. I was, I've just found that out recently and I was just blown away. Usually if I do like a Triple J Hoss 100 votes, I usually look at what I've listened to and that back from the past year and go from there. And it's always interesting to, to see. So from the world of Aussie wrestling, we go back across the seas to Japan for Summer Struggle Night 8, which featured the tournament final in the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship Tournament for the Vacant Championships. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you, it's the final now. You don't have to worry about saying it again. <laughs> so it featured Chaos, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi, Versus Chaos, Kazuchika Okada, Sho, and Toru Yanu. And the team of Chaos ended up winning. That was Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Yeah, uh, probably the correct trio out of these two. Um, I would have been devastated to see Okada and Sho getting relegated to six-man tag titles. Yeah, yeah. And it's also Yoshihashi's first championship in New Japan in 12 years. Well, that speaks to the dire times we're in. (laughs) (laughs) You leave leave the headhunter alone. Oh, man, no. No. It's not even the best Yoshi in wrestling. (laughs) Tatsu? I would consider the Bullet Club Hunter to be slightly ahead of Yoshihashi. Oh, man. So, New Japan will return on Wednesday the 26th at Corican Hall. This will feature their King of Pro Wrestling tournament, where every match has a different stipulation determined by a fan vote at a later date. Now, have you seen much of this? this? (laughs) What is this? This is getting weird. And I kind of love it. You know how much I love weird stuff in wrestling. Um, this is a this is the King of the Ring meets Cyber Sunday. Yeah, yes, indeed. So first round matches are Satoshi Kojima versus El Desperado, Toru Yano versus Bushi, Sonata versus Sho, and. Yujiro Takahashi versus Kazuchika Okada. Can we just have Kojima win this tournament? I know Okada's going to win it, but can we do something with Kojima here, fellas? Let's get it happening. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, each of the winners will move on to a four-way final match to take place on the 29th at Jingu Stadium. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what stipulations they vote for in New Japan sort of pretty by the books when they do these fan votes. The most infamous one being, of course, the intercontinental title vote winning against the heavyweight title vote in the Wrestle Kingdom main event vote. Yeah, and um, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have the Tetsuya Naito we've had for the last couple of years. So, so thank God for that, really. Yeah. Sad news on Monday. James Harris, known to wrestling fans as Kamala, the Ugandan giant, passed away at the age of 70. Yeah, this was heartbreaking. Um, one of those, like, real iconic sort of visuals in wrestling is Kamala walking down the aisle with his massive 
head mask on and his spear and slapping his belly and all that sort of things. Just a real genuinely iconic character of wrestling from the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Like even in the the 2K games, you can still get the, the big mask in 2K19. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. You, you want to put the, the face paint on, it comes with his face paint and body paint as one of the um, add-ons as like the preloaded face paints. Yeah, and that just speaks to speaks to the accomplishments of Kamala. Um, originally a character first developed by Jerry Lawler in the early 80s, late 70s maybe, the Memphis Territory, just after Jerry Lawler had his feud with Andy Kaufman. He, he'd finished that feud and needed someone else to go up against, so this time he went the opposite route and found himself a big monster heel to do some serious business with, and... They tore it up in the Memphis Territory for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, he was in um, poor health. He'd lost both his legs due to medical complications from diabetes and that, so it's it's a bit sad. Yeah, but um, never is never going to be forgotten in the scheme of the silly world that is professional wrestling. There's, like I said... One of the most iconic characters from back in those days um, had main event runs with guys like Undertaker, Hulk Hogan. Like, how many guys can say that they wrestled Jerry Lawler in Memphis, Hogan and Undertaker in the Fed, and Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor? Oh, wow. Kamala is one of those guys. Like, it's just such a... Like, the longevity he had from the from pretty much just the iconic nature of his character. He was able to just get his career stretched out for many years. And all he had to do was just get that shirt off, paint, it, paint up his belly and slap it around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose there's no real easy way to go from there, but um, back to wrestling, I guess, on Tuesday. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, so what are we going to do? The tag tournament. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts on this particular show. So uh, the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, the deadly draw night two, the second half of the quarterfinals, two matches. Match number one was Swole Family, Big Swole and Little Swole, defeating Rochelle Chanel and Lever Bates. Oh boy, what a trash match. This match sucked. It was like, I don't know, if... It felt so long and it was so bad, but we'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) And it still probably wasn't the worst match of the night. And then match number four, Ivelisse and Diamante defeating Rachel Ellering and Dasha Gonzalez. Oh boy, there's a reason Dasha is a backstage interviewer and not a wrestler. (laughs) Yeah, at, at one point, Medusa walks in backstage and Dasha goes, oh, are you here to draw a colour? And she goes, no, I'm actually here to take your microphone so you can draw a colour. It's just like, yeah, so oh, they go, boy. They go from teasing, like, us possibly getting to see one of the best women's wrestlers of all time get in there to 
Dasha. It's it's like it's like if they did it with men. You got Main Jane Oakland backstage, and then Shawn Michaels walks up, and Main Jane says, "Oh, you're gonna draw a color." No, not me. I'm not going to get in the ring and wrestle. I'm only Shawn Michaels. Main Jane, you're wrestling. <laughs> it, it didn't make much sense as spur of the moment thing, especially when you've got so many other women on your, your roster. Also, kayfabe was like, how much, when did that backstage interaction happen? And like, how much time did she actually have to prepare for this match? It just like, said, you would assume a backstage interview would doesn't like bring wrestling gear with them to every show. Yeah, it just said earlier tonight. So, yeah. and then like Dasha should have just been like, if she did have gear, have that underneath and have like tracky dacks and a <laughs> and runners and a and like a big t shirt on over the top. So it's like gym gear that she's wearing. Oh. oh. Even, like, they could have gone a bit more of a comedy route because she was so enthusiastic about getting to wrestle for a change. She, whatever she was wearing, she just ripped it off and then her wrestling gear was underneath because she's always ready to get in there because she's so enthusiastic. Like, they could have just explained it as simply as that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. But the, the right choice there in letting Ivelisse and Diamante go over. So... Uh, semi-finals, I'm pretty sure they announced next week on Monday again. It yep. is match number one, the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Ali versus Swole Family, Big Swole and Little Swole. And match number two, Ivelisse and Diamante versus Ty, Conti and Anna Jay. Yeah, um, I'm not particularly enthused about how the brackets turned out. I would have liked the final of this whole tournament to have been the Swell Family versus the Nightmare Sisters. The other two tag teams are all right, but they don't have the genuine chemistry that Brandy and Allie do and Big Swell and Lil Swell do. Yeah, I'm thinking Ivelisse and Diamante go over in the um, right-hand side of the bracket and then you're going to have Nightmare Sisters win in the left-hand side of the bracket. I'm a little bit worried about the possibility of Brandy winning this tournament and the amount of, like, black they're going to get online for Brandy winning this thing. Well, Cody's got a belt, and the Elite have a belt, and they're all in position of powers. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just saying we're not far off from a Brandy title run, are we? Stephanie and had a title run. Stephanie was heaps more over than Brandy is. <laughs> Stephanie in 2000, like, that was... There's pretty much no one in current wrestling that had as much hate as Stephanie in 2000. True. Okay. Um, anything else to add on to that? Uh, like, I will say, like, on Dynamite, they do have the little ticker across the bottom that says the results... I would have liked for them to show like a highlight package saying, fans, here's what you missed on the women's tag team tournament. Because I don't recall them saying it more than maybe once or twice that it airs Monday. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they really missed the boat on that one. So Speaking of hashtag boat. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, We go on to Raw. So it opened with Seth and Dominic signing a 
contract for SummerSlam, which leads to Seth having a match with Humberto. He defeats Humberto, and then Seth and Buddy beat down Humberto, then tied Dominic up in the ring ropes, and Singapore cane him. Yeah, thank you, sir. May I have another? We had some... Um... Going back to our ECW episodes, we had some very Tommy Dreamer and Sandman vibes going on in this segment, and I actually loved this. They then cross to outside. It shows Retribution throwing a brick through the entranceway to the PC, and later on in the night, there's a member standing on an overturned car. All right. Is this the bit where I can complain about the aces and five-foot-eights? Um, we can get there after the show if you like. Oh, I just want to say, like, they come across, like, massive dorks. Like, they throw throw a cinder block through a window and then start jumping up and down, cheering like absolute goobers. <laughs> like, and, and then they throw a second cinder block through the window. But the window's already smashed. It was just to knock out a little bit of extra glass on the edge. It was so stupid. When they throw that second cinder block, they go back to, yeah! Woo! Oh, well. Viking Raiders are teaming with Rick and Cedric versus Tozawa and his ninjas. So much for being killers last week on Raw Underground. Yeah, okay. They made me look like an idiot thinking <laughs> that they um, they had turned this around. One of them's wearing the Viking Prophets shirt. Yeah, well. Yeah. So they end up defeating Tozawa. He's going up the ramp as one of his ninjas is being pinned with another ninja. And as he turns around, there's a referee on the ramp. The ninja pins Tozawa and is the new 24-7 champion takes off his mask, and it's R-Truth. So R-Truth is the new 24-7 champion. Now, Alex, how many times has R-Truth held this title, given that this title was introduced on May 20th, 2019? Well, actually, I was thinking about um, how it was introduced. Remember when the 24-7 title was introduced to pretty much be the the third-hour gimmick in that year? Yeah. Yeah, and now Raw Underground has sort of replaced that. Um, but I believe the answer you're looking for, because I think they mentioned it on Raw, was 38 times, I believe. 38? Yeah, they did mention it on air. It is 38. Now, yeah, just you... insane. Um, but for the humans out there, if you actually want a good amount of R-Truth fun... Go on the WWE Network and just watch the R-Truth game show. It's so mindless, and it's just so much fun. It's just him being him on FaceTime, like asking questions, like a game show-style thing to wrestlers. Um, There's an episode with Drake Maverick, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, There's some good stuff with Roman Reigns' first WWE appearance in months is on the R-Truth game show. (laughs) Um, yeah just a quick uh wwe network suggestion of the week for you guys um yeah the truth game show pretty good stuff going back to 24 7 championship for a moment how many total champions do you think there's been oh gosh like individual people oh gosh all right tell me do you have the number up in front of you yeah all right tell me if i'm high or low uh, 20. 
higher. 30-something. Yeah, 37. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I, I honestly thought it might not have been too many because... Yeah, but then I remember there was that one week where they were running around and giving it to celebrities and, like, news anchors and stuff that I forgot about. Now, there's been 102 total reigns. How many combined days has R-Truth had the title? Oh, a couple of months. bit more. So what are we looking at? About 60 days? Uh, triple that. 90 days. Okay. I was hoping for it to be even less for comical reasons. No, no. Um, Triple 60, so he's just on 200 days. Oh, right, right. 200. Ladies and gentlemen, that maths by me on the fly was absolutely appalling. Um, yeah. Uh, really? I yeah. honestly don't remember him having... Well, I guess when you've had 38... Individual long reigns don't really matter. And who do you think is the longest reigning champion and how long have they held it? Didn't Elias have like a two to three week run with it? That has to be a record, right? Uh, Longer than that. Okay, uh, R-Truth then. I'll just take a guess. Uh, No, but he won it at WrestleMania. Oh, of course. Gronk, because he never showed up with it. Yep. How long did he have it for? 67 days. Oh, man. I'm sure if he held on to it for two more days, he would have found that to have been the funniest thing ever, knowing his sort of humour. <laughs> yes. Um, back to Raw. Now, we had Aussies on Raw again. Peyton Royce with Billy Kay versus Liv Morgan with Ruby right to death. Now, it looks right. like, yeah, that's how you got to say it. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you notice that the right to that squad is reformed? Yes. Uh, didn't uh, the Iconics refer to them as the Riot? Probably. Yeah, I, I like the idea of them just being called the Riots now instead of the Riot Squad because... Two people isn't really a squad now, is it? I don't know. You'd have to ask Spirit Squad on the independence. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, good good little match. Payton ends up winning, uh, defeating Liv. Yeah. Um, it'd be good if these two teams had some titles to feud over. Yeah, you never Instead know. Instead of the, the titles being just a background prop for the singles champ. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree there. Um, we're going to the championship qualifier match. It's Asuka versus SmackDown champion Bailey for a shot at the Raw champion Sasha at SummerSlam. So Asuka ends up winning. She defeats the SmackDown champion, and by doing that in a non-title match, she gets a shot at the Raw champion at SummerSlam. This dum, is like dum 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 dum. Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> it's like Russo booking. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, bro. Um, something I find funny, every time they mention Sasha's nickname of the blueprint, it just makes me think of TNA and Matt Morgan. The DNA of TNA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine if Sasha started doing the carbon footprint as a finish. <laughs> I always thought that was just like the funniest like name for a finisher. The carbon footprint. So then we go on to your favourite part of last week, 
Raw Underground. Oh my god, I loved it the week before, but this one was... This left me a little bit more wanting. Um, Where was all the singing and dancing? Yeah, um, yeah, there was no dancing. The The music was dialed back a bit. Um, they scaled it back a bit, and I didn't necessarily like that. I understand some people found it to be a bit offensive, having scantily clad women dancing, but... Yeah, I, I thought it added to the overall aesthetic of it. Do the rundown, Hoggy. Let's talk about this <laughs> stuff. So Riddick Moss defeated someone. Arturo Rojas defeated someone. And Shane's talking up how good Arturo is having, like, multiple amateur championships, but it took him, like, seven minutes to beat this no-name. <laughs> I will say, though, Arturo physically looks like it. Just a star. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree he, with that. He looks that. great. He looks fantastic. Um, I have heard that he just came back from an injury. He was originally scheduled for a call-up as long ago as, like, middle of last year, but he got injured. Then we had everyone's favourite, the star of Raw Underground, Dabakano, defeating someone. And then Shayna Baszler defeating three unidentified women. Yeah, I I was pretty happy to see Shayna Baszler get in there because it's the sort of environment she's made for. But really disappointed to not see more follow-up with the Hurt Business in the underground because I actually really liked that portion of everything last week. The, the only thing I could think of there was Apollo... Um, laid out MVP during his non-title match with Shelton earlier in the night. So yeah. maybe um, Hurt Business went home early. That's that's the only excuse I've got for him not showing up there. Yeah, but when you end Raw last week by saying, oh, this is the Hurt Business's underground now, the underground are under new management and business is booming. That's like literally what they said. And gimmick infringement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the gimmick <laughs> infringement I previously mentioned. Um, yeah, they teased that the Hurt Business were taking over the underground and then just no follow-up to that. Um, I would have even loved to have seen a bit more of Ziggler in the underground, make him look a bit more credible. But no follow-up with that. No follow-up with the Vikings. They're just back to, oh, you're cute. You? Not so much. Yeah. I don't hate that part of it, but I honestly find um, I find Ivar quite charming in that role when he does the little humble smile. I think it's pretty funny. But, yeah, I get, I get your point. These guys are monsters. They should be treated as such. Yeah, you, you, it's oh, it's confusing because last two weeks ago they were comedy, last week they were killers, this week damn comedy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then we went on to the main event: Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens defeats Kevin Owens, and then cuts like one of the promos of the ages with Ric Flair, in my opinion. Wasn't this amazing? Oh, yes. This was so good. Um, it got very real at points where 
Randy Orton talks about Ric Flair's son, who, as we all know, passed away a few years back. Ric Flair, as per usual, uh, was a blubbering mess in the ring, but it definitely worked in this situation. Ric Flair still has it when he gets the opportunity to on the mic, that's for sure. Yeah, going on about saying, oh, the that Ric Flair? Yeah, you're right, he's not here anymore. And when I was in a coma for two weeks, and I wanted first thing I wanted to do was go and tell everyone how much I cared about him. And yeah, that, that, that was a really good promo, I thought, in the end. Yeah, and he's like, I want to, I want to be in your corner, Randy, for when you win your 14th, your 15th, your 16th, your 17th world title. I want to be there for you when you break my record and all that sort of stuff. Not John Cena's record, my record. Yeah, I love that little line too. And then he's... um going to walk off and they hug and then he steps away from Randy and Randy just sort of has this smirk on his face and then just bang! Yeah, the, girl, the China style down on one knee, low blow. Oh man, so yeah, Rick's down and the lights are flickering, then he does a punk kick to Rick down, shouting at Rick and um, Drew runs down and the doctors run down, Randy runs off. Yeah, and I actually, I actually thought this was really good use of the lights flickering, because, well, Ric Flair's not in the best of health at the best of times these days. Unfortunately, that's just the way things are. So, they found a way of making it look like they could give Ric Flair some physicality without actually having to do anything at all. Oh, absolutely! It's the best best use of it. Like apart from what was it, Batista? did it in the um, locker room for his 70th birthday and then dragged him out by his collar. Yeah, that one was really good too, yeah. Like, I mean, like, it sounds like he's bashing him in his locker room, but you know, obviously, he's not given yeah. <laughs> Rick's health. But yeah, yeah that, that that's the way you sort of get around it. Yeah, it was perfect. Does it? Does this particular segment make you want to see Randy versus Drew any more or any less than before this segment? That's my one little criticism of it is how much does this really move the Randy and Drew tension? I guess uh, that I guess Drew comes out at the end and like it's like you son of a bitch and blah blah blah. I don't know. Did it did it really kick their personal feud to the next level? Is my question. I I'd have to say yes. I think it did. Well, it it improved my interest in it anyway. Yeah. Now, the next question is, do we actually get a winner of the match at SummerSlam? Because I have a feeling the lights are going to flicker, and that's our big angle moving forward. What, the, one of these two against someone in Retribution? Yeah, Aces and five foot eights are going to cost WWE their WWE title main event. Oh, that's right. You were going to talk about them, so you might as well go there now. Aces and five foot eights. Yeah, retribution. I think um, they are going to. I think we're not going to get a winner out of Randy and Drew, and these retribution guys are going to cost the WWE their big money mat. I think that would be the way to go with that, as much as it would be kind of annoying to not have a winner between Randy and Drew. Yeah, I. I'd have to agree, but 
Drew's sort of been cursed by this empty arena era in his first world title uh, with the company. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think Drew's reign might actually continue. I don't think Braun's will at SummerSlam. I, I think Retribution's going to get heavily involved in this WWE title match. That's just my prediction. Fair enough. So I suppose we can briefly chat about this before we wrap up here. Have you seen any uh, media reports about the members of Retribution? I've seen little rumours here and there. Um, a certain fiancé of a certain... A uh, man from Strong Island who recently debuted on AEW was out, was r- rumoured to be on there. Okay. So I've seen a few different r- lists of people and then um, notable wrestling journalists um, Dave Meltzer and John Pollock have both reported. What we were told was that the people in the masks at the moment are not intended to be the people in the reveal. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest issue is that I've seen rumours out there saying that Dominic Dijakovic is going to be one of the people to be revealed. He's like six foot ten. And he's like a foot taller than all these guys. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think that I'm just really worried that someone's just going to suddenly grow a foot in a week. Oh, that's what eating ten wheat bix in one day does to you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so... There's nothing really much more to add on that. I suppose we'll uh, wrap it up before we get attacked and the power goes out. Yeah, yeah, the lights are flickering. Oh, no, someone's about to throw a cinder block through my window. Now they're jumping up and down and cheering like dweebs.